Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. Speaking of traveling the world, we're currently here in the northern Philippines. So make sure you check out our blog post at uh, Daddy Blogger where we document the entire trip to pictures, videos, blogs, social media, YouTube, and much more. And we're continuing our podcast series as well where we've interviewed over 500 different digital nomads. And I have one on the show here today. Her name's Kit Whalen, and she's actually been the digital nomad for over 10 years. Yes, over 10 years. So she's definitely at the top when it comes to the length of time of being a nomad. Uh, she's the founder of kitwhalen.com, and she does, uh, she's been doing social media management for over 10 years. Uh, she's also a podcaster, fellow podcaster at Nomad and Spice. So you can check out her podcast at nomadandspice.com. And she's also the co-founder of seven in seven for those of you who are not familiar with it it's a uh, seven conferences on the seven continents over seven years and uh, uh, they're actually hosting their conference uh, this year in medellin colombia and that's where kit is joining us from today so i guess today's kit whalen how are you doing out there in the city of eternal spring i'm doing great ricky thank you so much for having me on it's a it's a gorgeous day We're looking at the mountains of medellin you know it's gorgeous here the views are incredible <laughs> They are, they are. We spent about a month in Medellin uh, last year and we absolutely loved it. It's such a hard city to leave. Oh, I know quite a few nomads who have been, who've struggled to leave. They've uh, actually set up home bases here, so it's a common problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, how could you blame them with such a beautiful climate? There's not many, not many cities in the world, as I'm sure you're familiar with, that have that amazing climate. Springtime, not too hot, not too cold, but just right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm one of the strange nomads who, who does like the season. So I always try to get a little winter in my year. Like I like fall, winter, spring and summer. So I, I tend to, that's why I move a lot. I'm one of the nomads who, who does kind of move quickly, even after 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is one of the luxuries of being a nomad is you can choose. If you get bored, you can move. And if you don't like this climate, you can move as well. So uh, exactly. I'd, love, I'd love to actually trace it back to that 10 year beginning. How did you first start as a nomad and tell us a little bit about your journey. Absolutely. Well, back in 2008, there, like digital nomading was not yet a thing. It was, um, so I, I came out of the ad agency world in Los Angeles and I quit that not to become a nomad, but to work on the 2008 Obama campaign in the social media department. And after that was over, I was not sure what I would want to do. I knew I didn't want to go back to working full time, but I didn't know what other option I had. Thank God my boss from the campaign said, hey, I'm going back to running my consulting business. Do you want to help me out? So she was a real mentor to me, helped me set up my business, send my first invoice, you know, all those things. And uh, so then about three months later, uh, I became a digital nomad. And that was, again, not what we called it back then. It was just, hey, let's travel and see how long we can go for until the money stops coming in. And now it's been 10 years. So clearly the answer is a long time. <laughs> so how has that been? I mean, uh, the fact that you've been on the road for 10 years, obviously you've had uh, the mountains and the valleys, uh, like we all do. I mean, I've be only been doing this for a year and a half and there's been so many ups and downs just in this yeah. month. So I can just imagine 10 years later, if we still are on the road that long, we would have a lot more peace of value. So tell us about some of your struggles and also some of the blessings absolutely. that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I feel like, you know, early on in, in my nomad days, and I think it's true for a lot of people, is it was very focused on travel. Like I wanted to see the world. And so that's what I prioritized. And then I feel like after a few years, like I really came to need community and I was really 
privilege that one summer there happened to be, we happened to go into Berlin, my partner and I, Nick, who I traveled with, we happened to go to Berlin. And then it just so happened there were a ton of other nomads there. And you started, this was the very early days, like 2013 of like nomad community where it was still rare to run into another digital nomad. Now we're everywhere. Every co-working space in the world is full of nomads. But back then it was like, oh my God, it was like finding a unicorn. And so that really taught me the value that's like wonderful summer people. I'm still friends with today of finding community. And then that sort of became a passion of mine because I didn't really realize it because I was so focused on traveling and seeing the world. But there's, you know, there's much more to life than work and travel, than just building a business and making money and traveling. Like, you know, because you have a family, you know, there's so much more to life. And, you know, making sure that you're cultivating all aspects from, you know, your community to your hobbies, you know, to visiting family like you're doing right now. And I think that that was a, I didn't, you know, I think digital nomad loneliness is something that we don't talk about enough. And I think it's something a lot of people struggle with. And I think that that, was like something I didn't realize I was missing until I had it. And I was like, oh, it's so much better when you have other people to talk to who get what you're going through, who get like, oh my gosh, the Wi-Fi at my Airbnb is just terrible. And like, if you're complaining about like passport situations or I just had a call with a friend, you know, now I have a, a global network of nomad friends and she and I were complaining just about the lack of, you know, how it's difficult to get, you know, delivery in different cities and like around the world. And she's like, you know, we sound so privileged. Like we're complaining about something that doesn't matter, but only other nomads can understand that, you know? Um, but yeah, I think that I've, I've gone through a lot of phases where like my business was doing well and then my, and then I was focusing on other things and my business started to not do well. And, you know, and, and there's so much when you have control over your life, which is really what nomad life is about, like you control where you are, what work you do, you know, you control everything. It's, it's sometimes hard to know where to focus. And um, I think that that's always something I've struggled with is like balance. And now, you know, I have a podcast, I run a conference, I also still run my business. And sometimes the multitasking is, <laughs> is healthy, you know? And so I think that that's a big struggle that I still work, I'm still working on is, is finding balance to make sure I'm still living the life the way I want to. Yeah, work-life balance is tough no matter where you're in the world, whether you're stable or traveling. So it's definitely a challenge. And of course, as an entrepreneur, the struggle is always the focus as well, right? Just focusing on one thing. We typically tend to like be so creative and wanting new ventures and getting bored quickly. So we need this constant stimulation. So definitely can agree to a lot of your sentiments there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's why we like to travel, right? It's because we like the change. We like the new challenges. But yeah, you definitely also have to find that balance of, you know, traveling fast enough that you're keeping yourself stimulated, but not traveling so fast that you can't actually get work done. Totally, totally, totally. We found that out after the first year. The first year was definitely faster, more sightseeing, try travel. Yeah. And we're like, we can't do this. It's not sustainable. We got to like get down and start working. So this like last six months, be like, let's face ourselves here in the Philippines and let's get work done. And then in 2019, let's get good in the travel again. So it's kind of like this ebb and flow of like fast travel, slow travel, oh, yeah. fast travel, slow travel. Yeah, I've definitely found that I prefer like two months at a time, like two months in one place and then maybe like, you know, a couple weeks of, of traveling around visiting people and then another two months in a place like that's a good amount of time for me. But I know for a lot of people that sounds insane. Other nomads are like, no, I need six months in a place minimum. So everybody's got their own path. <laughs> And there is no right way to nomad. And one nomad oh, yeah. should definitely never judge another because 
it's your life and it's your travels and you can choose what you want to do. And that's why we begin Nomads. Yeah, exactly. I think that that's such a, a untalked about part of being a nomad. I hear this a lot from newbies because I have a podcast for location independent women. So I get a lot of women emailing me and so much of what I hear is, oh, well, I'm not sure I can, I'm really a nomad because I have home base. Or I'm not sure I'm really a nomad because I, I work remotely for a company, so I don't, I'm not an entrepreneur. Or I'm not sure I'm really a nomad. And it's like they think that there's a checklist. Like someone is sitting there judging them. Like, right. how, how many countries have you been to this year? Do you care? Do you have a carry-on only? You know, like it's, it's if someone's judging them. And I'm like, no one's judging you. You get to decide what nomad life looks like, you know? <laughs> So in terms of the travel side of things, so you've been nomadic for 10 years. So obviously you've covered a lot of the world. Tell us about uh, some of the places you've been. Like, have you covered like one continent at a time or do you hop between continents? Tell us about your general travels over the last decade. Yeah, I, I do hop a lot. I, I, you know, you always start out like thinking, oh yes, I'll focus on this region this year, especially with, so seven at seven, it's happening over seven years on seven continents. So every year I am, focusing on one continent, like this year, South America. So you'd think that logically I would just focus on that one area. Mm. And that is often my goal, mm. but usually that does not happen because there's conferences and weddings and other events and things that bring you around the world. So I do bounce around a lot, um, which may not be, you know, as good for my productivity, but I've been, I've been to six continents. Antarctica will be the seventh when, uh, seven and seven goes in 2022 with a bunch of nomads on a boat, um, which is going to be really fun. And that's good because I've, I've been wanting to say, oh yeah, I've been to seven continents forever, but planning an Antarctica trip is such a big undertaking that I just keep saying, I'll do it next year. I'll do it next year. And now I have to do it because of promised, you know, a group of people that I will take them. So <laughs> like that's the, that, that's the last frontier for me, but I've, I've really, I've been all over Europe, I've been all over Asia, I've spent time in Australia, New Zealand, the Middle East. I haven't yet to do Sub-Saharan Africa, which is a big part of my list. I've done North Africa a lot, but I really, I'm really excited for seven and seven year five when we're going to be in Africa. It's Sub-Saharan Africa and I want to travel all over because I feel like that's a big gap in my map, but I always clarify like when you know, people ask, oh, where's your favorite place you've been? And I'm like, do you mean to live and work or to travel? Because those are kind of two different ways of living. You know, sometimes like I took like two weeks off of work and I went adventuring around Morocco where I, like I was in the desert or in the mountains and I didn't really have access to Wi-Fi and that was just for fun and I love that. But in terms of work and like where to live and work, I'm much more of a city person, like Hong Kong, London, you know, these are my, those are the places I like to be to live and work and spend a few months. Yeah, it definitely makes sense there. So in terms of work and income generation, uh, you're doing social media marketing and management. Tell us about how that looks like on a very practical level. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, I, so I mostly focus on small luxury hotels, but that took me a few years to find that niche. Like when I first started, of course, I was just accepting any clients. <laughs> as you do when you're first starting a business. Um, but yeah, so I work, I, I do have some tech firms as well. I, I work mostly with like medium-sized businesses, people that are past the startup phase, because that's like, I, it took me a while to figure out like which types of businesses I like to work with. But yeah, so I, I work with businesses either on a strategy or execution or both. So sometimes I'll come in, I'll work with a business for a couple months to get them on the right path with a digital marketing strategy. 
And that's really fun, although it is intense because it's like two months of just focus work on that one thing and you're going to produce some big document and do some training. Um, but what I, what I really like is kind of the ongoing clients. Like I've had some clients that I've had for six years and you know, I have handled all their like digital marketing needs for that time and watched them grow. Like there's one resort I work with in Belize that has now expanded to two resorts and you know, it's, it's nice to grow with them. Um, and it's just, it's really fun and I really enjoy doing it. I have great clients, I have great relationships with them. And also of course, with the niche of hotels, I get to go visit them, which is a really nice perk of my business. Yeah, no, definitely uh, is a huge perk uh, that you can stay in these amazing hotels around the world. So you're also podcasting as you're traveling. Tell us about the origin of your podcast. When did you start it up? And tell us a little bit about the themes and topics you're covering. Yeah, so the podcast actually, the idea came about at the same time as Seven and Seven. So there was this one year where I decided like nomads needed, we needed more women's voices in the space. We needed more voices that weren't just talking about, here's how I, you know, made $600,000 in a month that you can too if you buy my course. You know, we, I wanted more diversity, like what nomads talked about when we sat down in person over a beer or mango sticky rice, you know, what you're talking about is, you know, having kids on the road like you, you know, and, and how to make this life sustainable for 10, 20, 30 years. How you plan for retirement when you're a nomad. These are the things that people actually talk about. So I wanted to kind of keep like make space for those conversations because that really wasn't happening back in like 2015. So the same summer that we started seven and seven, we, I started Nomad and Spice with my co-host Viv and originally it was conceived as this whole big community, but then we realized as you do sometimes as an entrepreneur that we'd taken on too much and that that wasn't going to work with that. Like we both run businesses. I was starting a conference. It was too much. So we, we scaled it back. We took a, we took like a year to think about what we really wanted it to be. And the podcast was the part that we were always most excited about. So that's, so it's a podcast for location independent women. We talk about topics that, you know, women really, really care about. And we bring in lots of different voices from all over the world for people to kind of tell their stories around certain topics like dating, having kids on the road, you know, all those sorts of things, how to avoid the bromads, because that turns off a lot of women from the digital nomad culture. And now we've been doing the podcast for over a year and people love it. It's been such a great response. So it's a, it's, it's a dear little passion project of mine. I'm, I'm just thrilled that people actually really want to listen to what we have to say and to, to talk about these topics with us. Awesome. Yeah, definitely a, a, a great niche to, to focus on there uh, with uh, female and nomads. And uh, yeah. the other key thing you do is obviously your conference series, uh, which has already been running uh, for a few years. And now it's going to be in South America and then uh, Oceania, Africa, mm -hmm. and of course, Antarctica, North America too. Um, so yeah. tell us about the idea and the origin and uh, tell us about the history. How did the idea come into fruition and implementation? Yeah, yeah, because it sounds like one of those crazy ideas that you have but don't yes. actually do. Exactly. I think the key was we didn't think about it too much before we committed. So um, we were, the, the founders were all at another conference. And as you sometimes do, you start talking, oh, if we had a conference, we would do this differently. If we had a conference, we would do this. And you know, we had started talking like, oh, the, the nomad conferences are so focused on how to become a nomad. You know, the nomad events and meetups and things were always like, 
intro level. And for those of us who'd been at it for a few years, there was no space for us. No one was talking to our needs. So as you do, you, you say, if, if there's nothing for me that I want, I have to make it. Right. So I, I honestly, the, I can't take I, the credit for the idea of the seven continents. That was my co-founders because I was actually hosting something at this conference and they came up with it while I was doing that. Mm -hmm. And then they came and pitched it to me. They were like, we have an idea. And I said, yes. Uh, which was probably, you know, that's, that's crazy. We just didn't even, like, we, we sat down, we sketched out the whole thing, like which continent was going to be which year, what our core values would be, that we would, you know, pay our speakers because we believed in paying our speakers, that we would, you know, be an all-volunteer team, that we would work on this, that we would focus on women and people of color, that we would, you know, be very LGBTQ welcoming, like all these values, we just sketched it all out in like an hour. We registered the domain. We contacted our lawyer to set up the LLC. Like it was all done in like a week. And then it was, and we told people. So it was like, well, we can't back out now. We have to do it. And, and honestly, the first year we weren't sure. The first year was in Bangkok. We were like, well, it might just be us and 20 of our friends, but that'll be fun. And mm -hmm. turns out it was more than that. So it's, it's been a huge success. And I mean, it's a, it's a great time and it's, it's a real community family vibe. You know, that was the idea is to build community for experienced nomads and talk about next level topics, you know, after, so you have to be experienced to come to seven and seven. You have to have been location independent for at least one year. And the idea is that after you figured out remote work or locate, you know, location independent freelancing or being an entrepreneur, what's next, you know, okay. You figured out making money from a laptop, but that's like we talked about at the beginning. There's more to life than that. And so it's about building community. It's about, you know, finding your hobbies. It's about keeping up your mental health. It's about learning how to invest your money. Lots of next level topics that we work on at seven and seven, as well as just like lots of parties and meetups and breakout sessions and, you know, all sorts of things. <laughs> awesome. So tell us about like, how did you guys decide on the actual uh, order? Because you've got seven continents. How did you choose like where to start? Which was next? How yeah. did you how do you choose the actual cities and countries within the yeah. continent? Tell us a little bit about that uh, logistical process. Absolutely. And that's gotten more detailed as time has gone on. So the first year it was like, well, Southeast Asia, because Southeast Asia is nomad hub. You know, so we're like, well, yes. we're doing it in Southeast Asia. That was obvious because then we thought everyone, people are hanging around there anyway. So, and how we choose the cities, like we did Bangkok and people are like, oh, but shouldn't we have done some island or, you know, in the Philippines or a beach or something? And we, We've realized, you know, so thank God Kiri, our co-founder, is a events queen. She knows logistics like the back of her head. She was like, we need good accessibility, you know, easy flights from everywhere. We need good public transportation. We need a range of accommodation options. So it actually comes down to, we put where we want, like we have like five choice cities where we want to go. And then we do the research on the nitty gritty details of where it's going to be good for our attendees to host the conference where they're actually gonna have a good wholesome experience and so that's usually what decides it along with boring things like do we have to set up uh, you know a local business and paying our taxes you know and and all that sort of thing from the business perspective which is challenging I mean our friends who run conferences because we know people who run other events they're like I can't believe you're running conferences in a different country every year I would die and I'm like yeah we didn't really think that through but now we've committed so we just have to go with it <laughs> So which cities and countries have you covered and which ones are next? Uh, so first year was Bangkok. So that was the Asia year. Year two was Europe and we did Barcelona, which was everybody loved it. And year three now, South America, we did Medellin, which I mean was the 
obvious choice because everyone is so obsessed with Medellin right now. It's the right. nomad hotspot. And then next year is Australia or New Zealand. We will announce, we always announce the host city the previous year. So mm -hmm. that's still a secret. Mm -hmm. um, and then the following year is Africa and then North America. And then the final year is Antarctica. And Antarctica is going to be obviously a bit of a different beast. It's not going to be a traditional conference. It's going to be more like a 10 day to two week long trip with a bunch of nomads who hopefully you've gotten to know over the conferences because we have people, people come back every single year. We have speakers coming back as attendees the next year because it's a real community vibe. So people will come and everyone will have a chance to kind of present like, you know, what they've been working on, how they see nomad life progressing, what they, you know, if they have a family, if they, you know, have built a few businesses, if they're, you know, kind of we're, we're the seventh year is going to be looking forward to what's next because we are, we're stopping at seven. A lot of people think we're going to do the seven again. Like we'll just start uh, over. Right. No, we're, that's it. We're done. So that's going to be the final, final event. <laughs> So how has it evolved and changed from the idea to actually implementing it and then from year one to year two and now year three? Tell us about what have you seen uh, in terms of the vision versus the reality and also the changes from year to year. Absolutely. Well, like when we started, we had envisioned, you know, something quite large. And then before our first year, a good friend of mine who runs um, a conference, she gave me the best advice, which was keep it small. So we'd limit seven and seven to 100 attendees because it's supposed to be a community event. And that was, it was the best advice because people have begged us not to make it any bigger. And even though like, you know, it could, because it's, even if we could make money because the event's not about making money, we don't make money. No one makes money except the speakers. It's an all volunteer team. Um, the conference is for the community, by the community. And so keeping it small benefits us. So that has, that shifted from our original vision, but it was a great shift. And then honestly, we've, we've learned a lot, you know, in year one, you know, we weren't sure like how easy it would be to get sponsors and how easy it would be to sell tickets. And, and we maybe kind of overshot. So that was actually our most expensive conference. And we've gotten leaner since we've learned like where to spend money and where to cut back and what's really necessary and what really benefits us. And some of the best tips have come from our attendees. Like we do a breakout session every year um, after, like in the main stage days. And one of our attendees, your one suggested that it should be attendee led and suggested. So what we do is during lunch, there's like a big board or something like a wall where people put up what they want to talk about. So people put up everything from podcasting to having kids and dating to having an existential crisis. Literally, that was a that was a breakout session one year. And people write them up. And then other people, we choose the top seven, obviously, because seven is our favorite number, uh, most popular topics. And we set out the breakout sessions. So I was so nervous the first year. I was like, what if this doesn't work? What if nobody writes anything? What if... You know, like having attendees lead their own breakout sessions is a disaster. It works perfectly. People love it. So now we do it every year. And it gives, it really kind of contributes to our goal, which is sparking conversation and connection. So if you want to go in the corner and talk about existential crises with two other people, you can do that. You know, that this is the place to do that. And then like we had one on like masterminding last year that had like 25 people or 30 people. So they, you know, it's, it's really kind of attendee directed. Someone called it like a choose your own adventure. And mm -hmm. I love that. And they give us credit, but really it was an attendee, you know, it wasn't us. So it's, it's real. We try to incorporate as many ideas as possible. And sometimes we feel really nervous because we're taking a risk, but it, it nine times out of 10, it works out. <laughs>
Yeah, I mean, uh, the fact that you're do, doing it obviously is working well for you, and you are on the verge of the, the next one, Medellin Colombia. That's where you're there yeah. uh, in the last few weeks before the big event. Uh, yeah. Tell us about how it's looking like for this, uh, the third year. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's gotten so much easier because now people like know us. You know, and so I don't have to explain so much like what it is and what we're doing and people have heard of it and they're getting really excited. Um, and this is the first year the conference might actually break even. So that's very exciting. And I know my business school professors would be proud that we're doing that in the third year of business. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's looking really great. Like we've got, we've got a great lineup of, of speakers and workshops, of course, but as always, the best thing about the event is the people that come. And because they're nomads, even though the event is six weeks from now, a lot of them are already here. Like nomads, you know, they come for a month, two months. So it's already kind of starting. Like we had dinner with a group of people last night. We have uh, like a party thing we're going to tomorrow, all with seven and seven attendees. It's like, the conference is a week of events, but really it kind of bleeds into like a full month. Um, so it's, it's a bit nuts, uh, but it's, it's so much fun. It's, it's looking really great. This is going to be our best year yet. I can just feel it. Awesome. Yeah, looking forward. Uh, I almost was going to come to this one, but unfortunately we're here in the Philippines. So I'm going to have to yeah. uh, uh, see for the next ones, uh, you know, Australia, New Zealand or uh, Africa or North yeah. America or Antarctica. Or, yeah, you definitely or, have to make it. One of the years, one of the years. Um, yeah, I know it's so funny. Like one of our attendees posted in uh, the Facebook group, like her flight path because she was in um, rural New Zealand and she has to take like seven flights to get to the <laughs> conference. But she's like, I'll be there. Wow. So we have a very dedicated group of, of people at 77. That is amazing. That is amazing. So I'm curious to know about your personal vision going forward. We've covered, you know, your kind of trajectory of the history up to what you're doing now in terms of social media, podcasting, the events. What is yeah. it? What What is the future hold for you post-conference? Like, what are you going to be doing after meditation? Oh. Tell us a little <laughs> bit about the next year before, before Australia, New Zealand, or Oceania. Yeah, well, actually, so the conference... As I said, we, we are an all-volunteer team, but you wouldn't know it from how hard we work. So the conference planning does kind of, we will take a break, but the pretty much in January, we'll be in Australia and New Zealand scouting locations already. So we, we pretty much take like November, December off. But, the, you know, it's, there's still stuff happening. Like, we usually kind of host a, a Nomad Thanksgiving somewhere. This year it's going to be in London because a lot of the seven and seven attendees happen to be passing through. So we're always hosting events. So I am looking forward to having a bit of a break. We do a post-conference retreat with about 15 people. And it's in this gorgeous, this year it's this gorgeous Colombian villa in, like, the, the jungle with, like, surrounded by coffee fields. And it's got a nice pool. So we're going to be there for, like, five days after the conference where I will do nothing it's gonna be great <laughs> uh, and then um, I'm then I have to go I visit home I'm quite like politically active so I'm gonna be back in the States for the election doing some knocking on doors and things because I think that's something that's good to you know you not only keep up with friends and family and your hobbies but also being socially engaged as well so that's something that I focus on in November um, and then yeah I'll be I'll be in the UK uh, to have Nomad Thanksgiving and Christmas with family before, yeah, starting back up. It all starts again in January. Um, so yeah, our, our, my year is sort of ruled by seven and seven, but that's, it's nice to have like anchor points. Like I know where I'm going to be. And it also helps because now 
all my friends know. And so everyone is like, oh, are you going to be scouting locations in the Australia region in January, February? I might be there. Let's hang out. You know, and it's, it's nice because I'm basically never without a group of friends wherever I go because I'm very public with where I'm going to be. And because of seven and seven, everyone knows like years in advance where I'm going to be. So I, I'm all, I've always got my group of friends like around me. It's really nice. Yeah, no, definitely that community uh, is so important uh, and especially as nomads. Uh, so yeah. uh, what would be your advice or tips for someone who's just starting out there? You know, they're on the verge of nomading and they feel overwhelmed. What are your yeah. thoughts? I think this is such a, I get asked this question all the time and it's so hard. We actually did a whole podcast episode at Nomad and Spice on advice we would give our pre-nomad selves. Right. And I remember it was so hard to come up. I was like, oh, what advice would I actually have listened to? Mm, Some of sure. the advice you want to give, like slow down, the world's going to be there. You know, you need to, you need to, you know, work on your work and making money as well as traveling. But I know myself. In my first year, there's no way I would have listened to that advice. You know, I just wanted to go see the world. So it's it's the difference between I think advice you you want to give and advice people will actually take, because that it's so hard to take that advice when you're first starting out. You want to say yes to everything. I was um, one of our we at Seven and Seven we have some apprentices and I'm, I mentor them and I was just talking to one of them and I, she was telling me her travel schedule before coming to Colombia and it's insane. She's like in the next six weeks she's going to like seven cities and I was like you might want to consider slowing down a bit you might be slightly more productive as you try to build your business and she's like yeah but it's so hard not to say yes when someone invites you to Berlin and I'm like I know I know that feeling so but I think overall my top tips would be slow down <laughs> and don't be like take advice from other people but there's right now between Instagram accounts and courses and websites and podcasts and blogs. There's so much advice out there. Take what's valuable to you, but don't follow anyone else's path. You have to find your own path. And don't think like, like you said earlier, Ricky, there's no one way to be a nomad. You will find your own way. And so take advice from other people, listen to podcasts, but figure it out for yourself, figure out what works for you. Because just because someone looks amazing and successful on Instagram, they're probably not showing you all the hard work or, you know, nights of tears and anger mm. that go into it. Yeah. So you, you have to follow what works for you. Yeah, that's definitely rock solid advice. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so uh, if people who are listening and watching here have been nomads for over a year and they're considering Medellin or if it's a too short notice or if they're listening post Medellin, uh, how could they sign up for one of the upcoming 77 conferences? Yeah, so go to 7and7.co. You can buy tickets for this year um, or you can sign up for the newsletter because we will announce the city uh, right at the very end of this year's conference. So October 23rd, there'll be an announcement that goes out that announces next year's city. And then tickets will go on sale early next year once we have the venue locked down. So we do do a super early bird sale that doesn't last very long in the spring as soon as tickets go on sale. So make sure you're on that newsletter and you'll get the best price. So, and besides the 7 and 7, of course, how can people connect you with on a personal level and of course on the podcast? Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm Kit Whalen everywhere on social media, Instagram, Twitter, K-I-T-W-H-E-L-A-N. And so there you can find links to 7 and 7, which is 7and7.co, and Nomad and Spice, which is nomadandspice.com. But yeah, I keep it easy. Kit Whalen everywhere. Feel free to hit me up, DM me. Um, I'm happy to give advice to people who are just starting out. I know it can be, feel quite overwhelming these days. 
it can definitely be overwhelming. So it's great to have uh, people like yourself who've been doing it for 10 years and have seen every, everything in that 10 years just so you can give back and help those who are just starting. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, definitely wishing you the best in this upcoming Medellin conference. And I'm sure we'll be seeing you at one of the upcoming 7 and 7s. Thanks again for being on the show. Thank you so much, Ricky. Hope to see you soon. Definitely, Kit. Uh, so I'll have the links to Kit's websites below. If you're listening to this pre-Medellin, definitely sign up. If you're listening to post-Medellin, definitely sign up for the 2019-2020 and to, uh, the rest of the conferences coming up. And uh, make sure you connect with us as well. We're daddyblogger.com and, of course, digitalnomadmastery.com as well. So thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch up with you in the next episode. Happy travels.